Welcome to the Ray Harryhausen podcast, the show dedicated to the life, career and films of a special effects titan. Join us as we host in-depth discussions about the work, influences and legacies of this uniquely talented filmmaker. Brought to you by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, we will be delving into Ray's archive to bring a unique insight into his work, including exclusive audio from the man himself. We will be joined by special guests for retrospectives, exclusive announcements and competitions, so this podcast is a must-listen for all fans of the world of Ray Harryhausen, animation and classic filmmaking. Hello and welcome to this very special first video podcast for the Ray Harryhausen podcast. And you, of course, can listen to us in the usual places on SoundCloud and iTunes. But today we have a very special guest, Vanessa Harryhausen, who's going to be talking about her new book, Ray Harryhausen, Titan the Cinema. And we have an even more special guest than myself asking the questions. Mr. Marshall Julius, writer, author, raconteur, a member of the Twitterati. I think I can say that, can't I, Marshall? I think you can say that. I, I, do, I do spend, I do waste most of my time on Twitter, it's true. I'm not sure I deserve such a highfalutin name, but uh, I do spend a lot of time on social media, it's true. And Vanessa, thank you very much for coming on, speaking to us pretty much exclusively because you've, you've teased up about the book before, but uh, you're, you're having this, um, this very rare opportunity to, to speak to Marshall in depth about your book. Marshall has seen the book as well. So um, I'll hand things over now to Mr. Julius. I'll be here to either make funny remarks or to fill in any gaps, but I'm sure there won't be any. So Marshall, take it away. I've always wanted to... I've always wanted to ask you how it felt to share your dad with so many people, because in the book, you, 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 you talk about how, you know, your uncles, um, Ray Bradbury and Fari Ackerman and all, all of the people, all the first generation of fans uh, like Rick Baker and John Landis and going on. I mean, John here and, and myself, I was lucky enough to interview your dad a couple of times at your house and, um, and, it felt like he was somebody who you had to uh, share with the whole world. Did it ever feel like that? Do you, did you ever just want him all to yourself or did you get enough of your dad that you were happy to share him? Um, um, hi, Marshall. Um, yeah, no, I, I, it was just something you had to live with. Um, we had people turning up at the house all the time from very, very little. Um, and I did get quality time with him when, you know, he was at home and, you know, having a, a break from things. So um, I just thought I'd su suck it up and just enjoy everybody else enjoying my dad. And it was a bit weird having to share him. But, you know, you just you just walk that walk and it's fine. You know, it's it's, um, you know, I just sort of lived with it. I didn't I had him at home quietly, you know, to myself and we got to do wonderful things. So that was enough. Now, I've just posted a picture there. Sorry to interrupt, but oh, I've posted gosh, a picture yeah. there for, for everyone to see. I'm only talking so that it stays full large on Zoom. But um, there's young Mr. Julius with, uh, with Ray, of course. Um, Marshall, you take it away. Tell us what we're seeing. Well, I was 19 years old and I had just started uh, writing um, for a magazine called What's On In London. And um, I think uh, your dad was um, promoting something like uh, Forbidden Planet or he was doing some promotional tie-in with something. Um, and uh, I, 
I was offered an interview with him. And up to that stage, I had no idea that, um, uh, that he lived in England. You know, I thought it was going to be a phone interview. And they said, no, he actually, you know, and so going to his house was sort of um, mind blowing to me. The fact that he was sort of, uh, sort of available to meet because growing up, he was, uh, your dad was the first and for a long time only sort of behind the scenes person who I knew you know I, I kind of grew up with a movie obsessed uh, mum who used to talk to me a lot about um, films and uh, and the actors and actresses but uh, another shot with me with my fairly strong hairline there relatively strong hairline there um, but your dad was the first person who I was aware of who worked behind the scenes and because you can you can describe what he did quite simply um, you know, take a model, shoot it, move it a little bit, shoot it more. You know, it's obviously a lot more, there's a lot more to it than that. But because you could basically describe that to a child and it was understandable to me, then of course, beyond that, you have to add layers of um, artistry and, and, and technical prowess that still blow my mind to this day. But uh, because I could get my head around it, because I love the films that he made, it all felt... Um, incredibly uh, meaningful um, to me. And I love those films so much. And um, whenever um, your dad would turn up on, on screen test or, or, or any kind of show talking for a couple of minutes, you know, I was particularly excited and interested. And then the chance at 19 um, to, to actually go and meet him. And, and then beyond that, to, to be in, in your house surrounded by all of his models. I mean, sitting in that room with um, the Medusa, um, staring at me uh, and uh, all those all those storyboards and I think behind us on the sofa there was a painting um, by Willis O'Brien and I mean it just I was completely overwhelmed I, I was very lucky that I, I I took a friend a photographer friend to take pictures of me because uh, and, and actually recorded it because the whole thing was was actually almost overwhelming for me, to be honest. And I imagine that that's how your dad uh, faced a lot of people, people who were just a little bit, just incredibly excited nerds, basically. <laughs> he was very normal and natural with them. I mean, as I said before um, in the book and, and to yourself, that, you know, folk would either find him in the phone book, which was ridiculous. I mean, who puts a name in the phone book like somebody so famous? But anyway, people used to phone him up or just turn up and hope that maybe if he was at home that they could come and see him. And like you said in your in your um, your vintage geek book, you you know you were invited in for a cup of tea and and I don't know if Mummy made it for you or Dad made it for I you. I think she and... did. I think your mum did while we were sitting and talking. We we sat in your in in the front room downstairs and then he took me upstairs. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, it was amazing. I, you know, I, he had so much um, time for me and just that, I mean, that, there was really nothing about the whole experience that wasn't completely magical for me. And I've done hundreds, if not thousands of interviews since, but I still think of that one as like my absolute favorite. And then I interviewed um, your dad again, um, probably um, 15 years later. And again, you know, it was just, it was just another great chat he he always had so much enthusiasm for the people who are enthusiastic about him and he he actually heard you when you spoke and uh yeah. he just seemed to have i don't know whether it was always interest or it was definitely patience you know while he probably heard the, the same things over and over and over again the same sort of um fawning adoration but uh 
you know it was important to me at the time to let him know that he'd had a, an impact on my life and, and he seemed happy to hear it which was very gratifying mm -hmm. for me but you know he always said to us to mummy and myself that he genuinely was interested in what people had to say because it was a different perspective from their eyes you know um mm. and it was showing him a different insight and you know a lot of it is very exciting yes it's sometimes a repetitive, but it's in a different way. Mm. No two people say the same thing twice, you know, in the same way. So, you know, and all those wonderful skills and, and like yourself coming to the house. And, and I'm so glad that you got thrilled by all the, the, the weird stuff around the house because it was just what I grew up with, you know, it was always there. You know, I don't know if some of the um, bronzes were out at that time. Um, but I know upstairs, you know, he took everybody upstairs or whether he could. Um, and did you go into his little workshop off the, off the, the his um, yes, study? Yes, the, the first time he, he gave me an extra tour. And um, that was the thing. After I, before I, you know, there was recording the actual interview, but before then we had a nice chat. And then afterwards, after we'd done all the pictures and, um, you know, I clicked off the recorder, he was, we were still talking and he was showing me, um, he showed me a, a, a script to the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms and he was showing me other display cabinets and showing me around. And it was just, you know, I was just completely in awe. I think I stepped out of the house, like I just left Shangri-La or something. Like I didn't want to leave. <laughs> Like, I just really wanted to move in. I would have just, you know, just put me in the corner and I, I would have been happy. It was just the most wonderful, magical place. So I wonder what that was like growing up in for you. I mean, it must have been a little bit like that's how, that's how it is for you. It was normal. Yeah, it was normal. And it really sounds very bizarre to say that, but I don't know how else to explain it to people. I mean when you when you grow up with that every day it it, it is what it is it's, mm. it's your house you see it and you i suppose you do take things for granted because they're always there um i know as a small child and when i used to come back from boarding school i used to have the pleasure of running upstairs to daddy's office where you were um and he'd either be at his desk typing or maybe he had his easel at the side and he'd be sketching something or he might be tinkering in his little workroom, making a model or, or, or doing something, you know, and he never turned me away. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to see some of the rushes too in, in some of the films later on. At, um, he used to hire out a little studio um, in London to do his, his rushes and stuff. And uh, so that was a great privilege. Now, Marshall, can I ask, um, your book, Vintage Geek, which Vanessa's got a copy of there, and I've, of course, got my copy. Vanessa's going to show you now a copy. It actually has a Ray, there is, it has a Ray Harryhausen chapter. And, uh, and we, we met briefly, um, I met, not briefly, at your book signing, and we became good friends. Now, the, the three of us have something in common. We've all written and published works about Ray Harryhausen. Yes, indeed. And of course, Vanessa's um, magical book, which is by far the best of all of the books on Ray Harryhausen, you've, you've had a sneak preview of. And uh, what, what, what can you tell us? I loved it. Um, obviously, um, there, there's, something, there's something about uh, Ray Harryhausen that um, even if, I mean, look, I met him a few times. Um, you worked with him, John. I mean, you, you, you and, 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 and Vanessa, obviously, he was your dad. So, um, I have the smallest amount of contact to claim with him, but even people who never met him, 
I think felt feel some sort of um, personal connection with him because I think so much of his so much of him and his passions for things came through his work and um, I'm part of the uh, the foundation and, and you know Ray's wish to kind of educate and, and, and to maintain the collection and um, he was so he was, we were, his fans and future generations were important to him. And it just, there was just something about his work that made you feel a connection with him. And so um, why, why most love about Vanessa's book is that it's a, it's so personal. And so, but it's, you know, it's genuinely personal. He was your dad. You have all these wonderful stories about him as a person and, 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 um, and what's great about it is that for everybody who feels that affection towards him, um, they can now uh, read the book and they can and they, they can read read the stories. They 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 can understand exactly what sort of man he was and what sort of um, father he was, as well as what a great artist he was and what an incredible um, filmmaker he was. And um, I think that so much so much comes through in your book, Vanessa, uh, from reading it. I, I just thought it was like an absolute joy, honestly, and, and such a way to connect with somebody who is so important to me and, you know, generations of, of people, really. If that's not too flowery a way to put things. I don't think that would fit on the back sleeve, if that's like a quote from Marshall as, as, as a, because you've, you've had quotes on famous films before. How do we truncate that down into, uh, it's the best book I've ever read, or you'll never need another book after you've read this book. It's like, if you ever felt like you knew Ray, uh, now you really can. Oh, that's oh, nice. Blair. That's only a wee bit. I've got so many wonderful other stories that, family things that we had fun doing but I just sort of compacted it and tried to give you know folk a little bit of an insight um and you know he was human he had good days and he had bad days like we all do um and very funny days uh and then obviously I don't know how far you got in the book um you know a bit of the sad times towards the end and that was terribly hard to write mm. No, I, I can imagine, uh, but I really um, appreciate you, um, you the, your honesty, and uh, and I think it's going to mean a lot um, to a lot of people. Also, um, it, it's quite jealous that you got to go to um, Disneyland with uh, Fori Ackerman, and uh, you know the, 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 the Ray Bradbury would you know would just come round to your house because, um, as obsessed as I was with your dad, I was equally obsessed um, with Ray Bradbury, especially in, in in college. I just got so into his work, and I wrote to him a few times, and he wrote back to me um, with good advice about working hard and writing every day that I, I didn't take because I was a bit lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had, um, but I just kind of my writing path went along a different, um, went, you know, different to his. But uh, no, I, I can only yeah. imagine how magical it was having all those people in your life. Yeah. I mean, when when Ray and Uncle Ray Bradbury and my dad and Forry got together, especially the two Rays, oh my God, it was like a comedian act. And it was like, it was so interesting just to sit back at the table if we were out eating or whatever and, and just hear them debate a film or, you know, and sometimes we'd be quite heated about their ideas and things and then they'd have a good old giggle. Um, and it was just, it was such a pleasure always to be around the two because they bounced off each other and had so much enthusiasm and ad admiration mm. and love 
you know so it was such an honor to just sit back and look at that and be part of it really yeah no i i can, I can only imagine as as, as uh, schoolmates and you know known each other what like pretty much all their lives and and uh and uh, you know, film fans, and uh, and basically, you know, kind of uh, iconic nerds, really people who I admire, you know, really more than anybody. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have been part of those conversations. Can, can I ask uh, what, why why the book now? Then why, why did we think it was a good time for you to write this sort of uh, definitive book on your father? Well, he would have been 100 years old um, and, and past, you know, June the 29th this year. And um, we sort of, I suppose people had sort of muttered about, oh, you should do something to celebrate dad's birthday. And I didn't feel like I was really capable of doing anything that would be interesting for dad, you know, about dad. And then sort of I started writing notes and then you and Connor and, other people sort of said, well, why don't you write about some of your memories? And, and I was worried it was going to be a bit too wishy-washy and people wouldn't be interested. But somehow we managed to, I managed to pull it together. And, um, you know, in the book, it, it, it celebrates 100 items that I chose. Some are iconic, some aren't. Uh, some are of his early artworks. Just to show the public and, and fans and non um, film people, I suppose, you know, how talented and incredible this man was. And as my father, I mean, he seemed to be able to turn his hands at anything, but he, of course, had to work for it. He had to work very, very hard in the early days. So, Marshall, did it surprise you? Because there have been so many visual books about Ray Harryhausen's from lost films to movie posters to the films themselves and the Harryhausen scrapbooks and so on. You're, you're quite an aficionado. You'd be like a fanboy, as we might describe you. As you look through it, um, how how excited were you to see things that had never been photographed before? Well, it's really beautifully um, uh, presented and designed, and, and the photographs in it are, are wonderful. And um, it was great to see some things I'd not seen before. But, I mean, for me, really what sells it are Vanessa's kind of memories and her take on things, you know? It's, it's just like you can't, short of, of Ray writing himself, and maybe even more personal than that, because he might have kept things to himself and he would probably have a different perspective. I think, I don't think anybody has a greater perspective um, than Vanessa on her, her dad. And um, I think that that just makes it absolute gold. And it's very beautiful as well. I mean, you know, to look at, it's a really, it's a really lovely thing to kind of pour through, but all the stories and um, the reminiscences and, and, and the, um, the contributions you've got from other people. I, I think it's just, it's a really, it's a really beautiful thing. Something that really, um, something that really kind of uh, made an impression on me was how you talked, Vanessa, about how you actually were allowed to play with your dad's uh, creations and how, I, I think that's amazing that he was so, and also while he was in production on some of them, it wasn't even just afterwards. Um, what were your favorites? Uh, I think there's a picture of you with um, the elephant from Guanji in the book. Yeah. Um, and all, all obviously Guanji, cause you know the story of me and the baby buggy, don't you? Yeah. You know, you remember about yeah, yeah. Harrods with buggy, yeah. Um, uh, so that um, I loved lots of creatures. Um, I got peed off about him killing off a lot of the ones, but as I was saying to Alan last night, he'd say to me, "Well, 
you know, you know how you see actors in different films? Well, you know, the creatures, they didn't turn up in the same films, except for the, I think it was the skeletons that only turned up in two of, you know, similar um, films. Mm -hmm. um, but he said they haven't been killed off really, because look, they're there. So don't, don't get so upset because look, you know, they're, they're right in front of you, you can touch them. And, and so that sort of pacified me for a bit. I um, I know that um, although uh, your dad did uh, almost everything himself, which in itself is, is just unprecedented and incredible and unique in in a way. Because if you look at movies today, or really since since the beginning, uh, you look at the technical credits and the names just go on and on and on. And um, you know, you look at one of your dad's films and it's just your dad's name. And it's like basically him in a room with the camera and the things, and he's doing it for months on end. And I mean, that's, that's incredible. I do know that he got a little bit of um, help from, um, from your grandparents that, that um, your, your grandma would help with some of the costumes and your granddad yeah. would help with the armatures sometimes. And I just wondered if you ever got to play a more hands-on role in any of the films, your thumbprints in any of the figures, did you, uh, did you help out in any way yourself? No, I was allowed to choose some of the eyes for some of the creatures. He'd have this wonderful drawer of different, um, you know, a little cabinet with all these different bits and bobs in. And one of them was these, it sounds really macabre, eyeballs. <laughs> and he'd pull them out and say, well, what color eyes do you think we should go in here, dear? And so we'd have them all out. And we'd have a look and see. And, and he'd try them and, and you know, um, I guess put them in. <laughs> so that was the only thing that I sort of got to do hands on was choose some of the things and, you know, and um, I had the pleasure of, of seeing, as I said in the book, the very early sketches, seeing him from the very beginning doing a doodle at his wonderful art board in the corner in, in his office. And then it's slowly transforming into this beautiful black and white pictures that we all know and love and these amazing scenes. Mm. And then the, the models, starting the models with this wonderful armature with a ball and socket, and then, you know, putting them in with the latex rubber and then them going in the oven and then coming out. And then some of them, next time I saw them had fur on or mm. whatever, mm. you know, and it was just, it was like creation happening right in front of you because mm. I mean, he did everything and it was such, at the time, I was sort of, again, I suppose you take it for granted, but what genius. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at this skeleton and the detail is just phenomenal. You know, the patience, it's, it's, it's very awe-inspiring. So you can see why after, I mean, I think it's what, would it be 80 plus years that you guys and the fans have kept his movies going? Mm. I mean, wow, what an accolade, huh? Absolutely. I mean, that's tremendous. So, Not just detail, you know, but tremendous personality as well. You know that the, 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 they are alive. It's it's that the, they have they are dynamic. Uh, even um, and that's the thing about uh, looking at your book and also um, John's book about all the all the projects that weren't made. Even if you um, stop short of actually the films, if you just look at him as a as an illustrator, as an artist, as as a as a sculptor, I mean, he could have had an incredibly successful career doing any one of those things. That picture um, in the in your book of um, 
Jason and the Argonauts with the the, the, the drawing that he did of um, of them fighting the skeletons. Um, it's incredible. I know that he was a big fan of Gustave Dore, and I think that Dore would have been very impressed with your dad's work as well. I think it would have been a, a two-way street. I think they would have, I think he would have enjoyed your dad's work just as much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He liked he liked a lot of the black and white because he said you could get more depth with it and it was more dramatic. I'm a color person. I went to art college and and I like color and stuff. But I understand and watching him doing the sketches, you know, um, he used to have Mum and me. I think it's in the book too, drawing these jolly objects, these little wooden cubes and, and discs and, and things and doing the shadow and he'd say I want to see that you know there's about five or six different color grays in there so you have to show that so you know he he was he always saw so much in everything um he just and he always used to say there's an old saying take a look see because the first time you look you do not see and uh, it just proves because he's with his things he really did study everything and um it's you know it's it's amazing at such a young age do you saw the sculpture that he did at 17 of the remington mm. one with the cowboy and the horse yes he yes did that when 17 years old it's, it's wild it's wild how talented he was from an early age now, vanessa you're you're in charge effectively of your father's collection now so you're head of the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation. You have the entire collection at your mitts, and you, you brought along a couple of a uh, couple of your friends to meet with Marshall today. And you've, Marshall's met, of course, one of the skeletons or one of the children of the Hydra's teeth. Yes. So we don't we don't want to be corrected online. Who who else have you got there? Um, well, we've got actually, yeah, we have got one of the skeletons, but this is also the traveling one that Daddy used to have um, when he used to go on stage. It's got a smaller plinth. Um, and Daddy nicknamed him Agushio. I have no idea why, but he did. And he used to have a party piece on stage, and he has this little coffin. He made ah. this wonderful coffin. I don't know. Can you see it, Marshall? I can. Yes. I can. And I saw it in the book, and I thought that was such a great detail that he would take it out of yeah. a coffin. I know. And, you know, he'd pull it out of a bag on stage, and, then, and everybody would go, oh, my gosh, you know. And then this was your, your traveling, traveling skeleton. Um, and then we've got a little tortoise from Tortoise and the Hare, the fairy tales. Oh, wow. It's so, it's so cute. And we lost this for a while. I think this is one. Am I right, John, in saying that we lost this or it was misplaced? So Daddy had another one made. And then... I was bringing stuff back from LA and it turned up in one of the boxes. And so he was thrilled. So now we actually have two tortoises. I think the tortoise was making his own way back. And by the time he came back, he <laughs> found he'd been rebuilt. I'm back now. <laughs> <laughs> Slow and steady said, wins the race though. That's true, true enough, yeah. true that. And then here I have the teeny, the small little puppet thing of the uh, baboon from Eye of the Tiger. But it's got just as much detail um, and all the lovely fur and everything. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm surrounded by these and it's such a pleasure to work in the, in the archive because I help um, um, Connor, you know, doing the archiving. And at the moment, we're just packing up some of the items to go to the Edinburgh exhibition, mm. which will open mid-October. So, um, and we're always discovering new things, you know, 
uh, dad has umpteen sketchbooks and you have to take time looking at every little teeny page because there might be a doodle on the other side of the page linked to something else or you know so it's it's lots of fun it really is and it's very awe-inspiring i was going to ask you if you're still discovering things even to this day from your dad yes well there's lots of little bits of armatures and just very basic things or part of an armature and we still haven't a clue what it might have been used for but you know that's a great guess you know it's obviously he maybe he made it or he took it off something else because he was always recycling his creatures hmm. i was interested in, in knowing that um you talk about your mum um uh, as well um in the book and clearly you've been um influenced by both of them um i'm curious um what you've what you feel you've taken from your dad i mean you, you clearly um he helped you um with your art you say in in the book that uh that he could be a bit frugal and uh, careful and that you you kind of you you kind of appreciate that as well i just wonder what aspects of his personality do you think kind of live on in you i was wondering um well the family joke was he was terribly tight uh you know he didn't like spending money and he'd always you know because i think with growing up in the depression everything was very hard to get mm. um so he he valued everything and wanted to recycle everything so he never he never threw anything out um and thank god he didn't because we've got these treasures and, and lots more other things mm. but um i don't i don't know um I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I um, I I really loved the uh, the list of his favorite films. Um, that that to me, like, that to me is such a personal thing because there's nothing more that movie fans um, like more than to push their own movie agendas on people and say what their favorite films are and and to get all enthusiastic about them and to encourage people to see them and um, and there were some pretty obvious things in your dad's you know the, you know the king kongs and things that, that, that i thought well that makes sense because he talked a great length about king kong with me and i think you know he was as much a fan um of other people's work as as, as people were of his and um that was just uh that was that was a wonderful kind of aspect of his personality and of course he wanted to remake king kong himself it was in the 1960s ray and charles schneer tried to secure the rights Hammer films were involved, et cetera, et cetera. So it, was, it wasn't something he ever gave up the ghost on with that. And that would have been, I think that Ray would have been the person to do it if anybody um, was ever, you know, to, to do it properly. Um, no disrespect to, you know, existing uh, remakes. But, no, but um, it would have meant Ray was right as well, because had Ray done it, it would have been around the early 70s. If we think it was the big remake by Dino De Laurentiis in 1976, enormously successful, even though people don't always agree with the special effects used. So had Ray done it, you're right, Marshall, it would have been right on, wouldn't it? It would have been spot it would on have, for the market. It would market. have been stop motion. It would have had the same, it would have had that feel. And as somebody who worked with Willis O'Brien, I think you couldn't have got more authentic than that. Um, but uh, just going back to the to the film list, um, what I 
what I, I liked about it was that he also had Casablanca and he had now Voyager and it showed that, you know, he was, he could also be a bit of an old softie that he liked these kind of uh, romances. And uh, so I'm wondering growing up, Vanessa, um, what films you watched the most with him? I imagine you saw King Kong like 400 times, but I mean, what other films, did you, did you just watch everything with him? Did it, was he always encouraging you to sit and watch with him? I mean, uh, I'd like to know about that really. <laughs> allowed to say this long live but if you say oh there's nothing on tv at the moment it's just crap so shall we watch a video or something and we'd go okay fine so it would it'd either be laurel and hardy a whole batch of laurel and hardys and we'd have popcorn and sit on the couch and just absolutely cry with laughter and it would be so much fun his favorite one was county hospital i think and um then we used to watch a lot of bet davis ones mm. Um, and Joan Crawford. He also liked some of the musicals with um, um, oh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Um, nice. And yeah, we used to watch all sorts of different films and that. The one I didn't like was The Fountainhead. I found it very depressing and too, too deep and hard. I mean, I know it was a, a very in-depth film, but I just couldn't get into it. Um, we used to watch at Christmas, the man who came to dinner with, uh, is it Monty Woolley? Monty Woolley, yes. Monty yes. Yes. Oh God, we used to have a laugh. And that was a traditional thing that we used to watch. And then of course, if daddy had any films on, he'd shout through at the kitchen if mummy and I were in there, come on dear, you got, you got to come and see what's on TV. So, um, and he always used to mark his films in the papers and oh, read really? the critics. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> so he was happy to watch his, his old movies when they came on television. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very nice. Well, I've discussed this with Marshall quite a lot, that, you know, special films come on at special times. And mm. sometimes it's the James Bond films that we remember, particularly the sort of the Roger Moore ones, were big ITV premieres at Christmas. And sometimes it might be the Superman film to Christopher Reeve. But always for Christmas and New Year, and occasional bank holidays, it was a Ray Harryhausen film. So do you remember, uh, Vanessa, that it was mostly at special times of the year, holiday times, that your father's films would be repeated? Yes, um, sometimes Easter, um, normally after Christmas, probably New Year's after that. Uh, in the States, it used to be on a, a channel. They used to, I guess it used to be just continuous. They used to have various films running in that. Um, because sometimes we'd be watching Laurel and Hardy in the, in, in the LA house and he'd flick over during the commercials or whatever and he'd have a film on so we'd have to watch his film or something so you know it was, it was quite fun but we got the TV times and he'd always mark out if his films were on or not. And would he ever make a kind of a comment about the print, the film print or the quality of the transfer? Would he, would he ever say to you oh look that looks really nice or, or I'm not happy of, with how they've done this or Sometimes he'd say, oh, I wish they'd put a better copy on or we'd done better lighting or, or something. But then he'd just carry on watching the film. It wasn't an in sort of depth conversation. He'd just enjoy, you know, watching. I did used to ask him, like, is it weird watching your own films, knowing the struggles that you had to, to do with the, with the characters and the creatures? And do you regret anything? He said, oh, yes, well, I have lots of regrets. I could have probably done a lot better. But um, 
how could he have done any better? That's what I don't understand. It's like, really? <laughs> I think truly great um, artists um, are never completely satisfied with their work and, and that showing satisfaction um, is the mark of a not so great artist. We're so always happy, I, aren't we? I can write something and be completely <laughs> happy with it. Me too. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think I think if I think that uh, I think your dad never being completely satisfied is just is 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 a very um, common character trait among geniuses mm -hmm. and creators. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. that's that's standard. He used to say that. Um, if he if he had a chance to do things differently, he probably would, and and then he sort of wouldn't say what he would change. So it sort of left you hanging, going, okay, well, what would you change? And so the conversation was, he'd start something, and then he'd sort of end it mid sentence, and think better of going and following through. And you're like, okay, I'm um, and <laughs> it's like, okay, well. I suppose well, as a filmmaker, there was always, I used to speak to him about, you know, if you had more money and if you had more time, but the reality was that bigger budgets weren't available from the, no. those studios at that time. So had they waited for a bigger budget, the film wouldn't have happened. And, and, yeah. and many filmmakers in history of, you know, whether it's David Lean or Alejandro Jodorowsky for his version of June, have waited and hoping that more money would appear and it never does. So I think sometimes you have to kind of bite the bullet and, and get on with it. But um, you know, part of the reason my father moved to this country was that the yellow sodium backing process was cheaper here than it would have been in Burbank. So it was always with an eye to what can I do? Because your father was a person who did things, wasn't he? He was always like how to achieve something. He had a tick list of projects and he always, yeah. he always managed to get through them. That was quite mm. impressive, really. I know. I mean, he always said to me why he moved over here was because it was easier for shooting in Europe and Europe had some amazing backdrops. You know, as you saw with the Jason films and, you know, um, all sorts of different back. And, and, and he said that the camera crews were probably, it was cheaper to shoot it over in Europe than it was trying to bring everything back over to the States and do it there. Uh, so I think he got, he got very inspired by our wonderful culture in Europe and Britain, you know. Mm. Um, but the patience he had was phenomenal. I mean... I just don't know how he managed to do this frame at a time and remember where he was. I know he had markers and things on the, on the, on the skeletons and that, but when you see the action and everything and the time it took, it's like, how, how do you even begin to explain the patience in that? Well, I wonder was um, like when he would sometimes take a break when he was working, um, do you, do, do I would imagine if I was working so intently on something that I would never really switch off. I would always be thinking about it. Did he, could he be present while he was working on something or did he sort of wander around? Like even when he wasn't working, it was still going on in his head. Well, um, funny you should say that because we were out, we found some pictures of mum posing in the garden and some of me too. And he was doing them for certain obviously actions of, possible characters or or scenes in his films because it's, um, I've got a whole batch of them of mum posing and sort of um, either against a wall looking a bit shocked or you know certain angles that you know um, so I guess he didn't really switch off sometimes he did but I think he was always secretly thinking about new locations or whatever you know um, 
I know that we were going to go to do a after we went to um, Easter Island in the Galapagos when I left school and that he was he said that we were going on holiday but I he then said oh well it might be locations we're looking at for People in the Mist a film that never got realized mm. called People in the Mist so he was, you know, while we went to Easter Island and we looked at all these things, I think his little gray cells were going around and he's going, mm, maybe, you know, but it never came to fruition. But, um, you know, I guess people like that are always thinking, aren't they? Especially when he took so much of the responsibility on his shoulders when he was doing something that would have been done, would be done by 200 people today. I mean, really, I when you think about it, all the planning, all, all the, as a producer, and all the, I mean, draftsmanship and, and the work, very rarely an assistant or anything. I mean, it just, it, it's almost incomprehensible that some one person achieved all that. But I think because of yeah. that, it feels, it feels personal in a way that very little else does. That yeah. You can look at yeah. your dad's effects yeah. and they, you can kind of get some feeling from them because of, just the the amount of kind of uh, passion and attention and, and hard work that your dad poured into every mm -hmm. one of them. Look, how many filmmakers mm -hmm. would have had this many books? I mean, there's the books your father wrote himself, Vanessa, over the years, which are terrific. There's all of these recent books as well. You know, I can't think of any other filmmaker in history that would have had this many large volume books. And they're always lavish coffee table style books that have beautiful photography. And it's not just full of text. So it's, it's quite surprising. And, and no other special effects person in film history was also the instigator of their own projects. You know, 16 no, feature no. films. I mean, if you had four or five feature films to your name in a lifetime, that's considered, you know, a pretty good achievement. Mm. But 16, uh -huh. and, you know, to be com coming up with the stories, the design, everything else, you know, we're, we're waiting for the next Ray Harryhausen to come along. And, and to be honest, I don't think he or she ever will. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm but you know what's sorry oh no no go on you know what's nice is that when you talk to some of the actors like we're still in touch with obviously caroline monroe she's a very close friend of the family in that um and um lots of other people and they all say you know uh dad was a hands-on man he never sat in the side wings yes he had ideas and but he really got in there with the actors and the and, and that's why he did these sketches, because he wanted them to try and get into his mind to see, you know, use that fantasy. And they said, you know, Kurt Christian and Caroline said that it was so important for them to get that idea, because how do you pretend that you're looking at a big cyclops or, um, uh, you know, a six arm figure coming at you or, you know, a hydra? How do you how do you get that shocked look? So. I think those sketches really did get the imagination going in the actors and actresses' brains and help them, you know, live those parts. I'm wondering what the most, because you talked about how um, you would watch Laurel and Hardy films with him and also his own films and a variety of different things. Um, what, is the, what is the thing that when it comes on TV makes you think about him the most? Is it something of his or is it something like a Laurel and Hardy that you watched with him. What is like the most personal thing um, to you um, that just recalls Yeah, it? it's different things. Um, the Laurel and Hardy we had great laughs with, really did. And it made him very happy to watch that. And then obviously watching some of his favorite black and white films and, and other films, you know, those are all personal. 
it's only just recently that I can actually start watching dad's films mm. and other films because I just end up in tears. Mm. Yeah, no, I can imagine it can't always be easy. Um, but it was happy times. So what do you so, think? Um, what do you think's the great? Um, what do you think's his main legacy? Because there, there seems to be that his legacy is divided up into lots of lots of different things. Um, you could say that his legacy as as a, as a filmmaker um, that he's left behind a fantastic body of films. You could say that it's as a uh, as an artist, um, yeah, as, as, almost a, as an educator. Um, there are there are so many different aspects that in which he's been in, inspirational to people. Um, what do you see as his great legacy yourself? Um, I think it would be believe in yourself and keep on working. You know, he 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 did want this stuff to be inspirational to people and not to give up, especially young folk. That's why I put those awful little um, puppets in the book that Daddy didn't like. You know, the skeleton and, and Kong. Well, I the, thought that Kong grill. skeleton was one of my favourite things in there. I thought that was amazing. Um, that was a work of pure fandom. He made that. He wanted yeah. his own Kong. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, but I wanted to put it in because I wanted the young folk and other people to understand that he really had to work from like everybody did but to show the very beginnings and the thought process and, and how he had progressed through, you know, from, from crummy stuff. I mean, he'd be absolutely spitting mad with me now because he didn't like those things. He said they're awful. And I said, but daddy or teach folk to understand where you're coming from and that you didn't just suddenly become a, like a, a Michelangelo. You had to mm. work in it. I think he wanted to believe have people believe in the child in themselves, the fantasy, the inspiration, like you said, you know, whether it be you're interested in the film side or the acting side or the drawing side, you know, he wanted to, to inspire all walks of life because like you said, he did so many different things mm. and, it, and it has inspired people. I've had so many friends and people coming up and hearing coming up to daddy saying, oh my God, Mr. Harryhausen, you've changed my life. And they've either become an artist or a sculptor or something just because they've seen a, a picture or, or an exhibit or, or been, seen his films. And somehow it's, it's brought that magic and want, want to do, you know? Absolutely. I imagine that he also inspired generations of um, teachers and, and explorers and, uh, and uh, people who were fascinated with the history and mythology and uh, geography. I mean, uh, it seems to me that um, you can, he, he's left um, footprints in, in an incredibly diverse number of lives. I think more mm -hmm. so than maybe any other um, artist, now that I come to think of it. His, his enthusiasm for those different cultures and putting them in the films from the Greek. And I know some of it's a bit mishmash and not always quite, you know, um, if an academic looked at it, you'd say, well, that's not factual. But it doesn't matter. It's fantasy. But he studied, you know, he went to Petra. He looked at all the architecture. Mm. He looked at the scenes. He wanted to know how it was done. He wanted to know about the Greek mythology. And, and, and it, as a child growing up, when I had to do, you know, um, as I said in the book, 
um, I had to do some things about Odysseus and that. I sailed through it like nobody's business. <laughs> Can it was imagine. Easy because he made it like come out of the page at me, like it was there happening. Mm. Um, you know, he'd tell me the stories or we'd read the book together or he'd show me some pictures and say, go up on that landing. There's a book about the Iliad up there. Come back down and we'll discuss it. And, and it just, you know, very inspirational. And, and, and I'm glad he did, you know. No, no well, I mean, and I saw you, you even have some shots of, uh, of books from his collection. And uh, I mean, you had access to an enviable um, number of uh, tomes, I would say, more than pretty much oh. anyone else. I get the other kids in your class must have just felt it was an unfair advantage that you had such access to all these things, as well as your dad's uh, knowledge and enthusiasm for learning. Uh -huh. I didn't actually tell them all the books that I had at, at school because they were all talking about going to the library. Well, we had our own you know, a special library. So, and what I couldn't find out, I just asked dad and he mm. would know, you know, so I would get a different perspective on things and, and make a different story if we had to do stories and that, you know, it was great, so. In the days before um, Wikipedia, you basically had the advantage over everybody. Yes, it was brilliant, absolutely you had one brilliant. one source for everything. Yeah, yeah. And then mummy, she was, she was nuts on crosswords. And so at the breakfast table, she'd be trying to pick your brains about certain words, three down and starts with whatever. And uh, so it was a very interesting childhood, you know, it was, um, it was, it was lots of smiles and, you know. Well, I really appreciate um, you sharing so much of yourself and so much of your dad um, in the book. And uh, I would really encourage it. I would encourage everybody to get this book because it's really, I have uh, like so many books about your dad and by your dad. And this really stands up, you know, with the best of them. It's just a really wonderful, a really wonderful thing. Oh, wonderful thing. And thank you for doing it. And uh, I think all of his fans are going to love it and really appreciate it. It was very hard to get the right medium because I didn't want to be too um not sappy in it and uh, but i wanted to be factual and um so I, I i mean i've never written a book in my life before and i'm a slow typer so it was connor who actually i won't blur at him and he just went wrote it all down and then we put it in how i wanted it to be and chose the pictures and and then the publishers and that helped but um it's thank you so much for saying the beautiful compliments because it's very nerve wracking when it's your first book. And I felt like I was sort of going a little bit um, sailing with the best of the, you know, people like yourself and other people who've written books. I thought, oh my God, they're going to just think this little pipsqueaks <laughs> put this book out there about her father. Here's no, another one, you know. I think you're better qualified than anybody to write that book. And um, I think anybody who has written a book, um, A, knows how difficult it is, and B, knows that you're really putting yourself out there. When you, when you write something, you're really um, laying yourself bare, whether it's about you or whether it's a fiction or nonfiction, or even if it's a cookbook, you know, whatever it is, you put something like that out and it's just, you, you really lay yourself um, bare and open to criticism. And, and so, um, it's it's nice when those when it's when it's taken well. I thought your book mm -hmm. honestly was 
was wonderful and I wouldn't have wanted to read it any other way. And I'm all right. I'm all right with a bit of schmaltz. I, I don't mind a bit of emotion. You know, I think everybody, there's so many people out there who genuinely just love your dad that will, that will just love this book because it totally connects them in with that. Really, honestly, well, I think you have nothing you. to fear about that. That's fabulous. Look, Ray Harryhausen Titan of Cinema is available now to pre-order. It's out on the 12th of October. You can pre-order it on amazon.co.uk or amazon.com or even from the National Galleries of Scotland website in their, um, in their shop. And, and by the way, don't be put off that you dictated some of this book out. Dame Barbara Cartland did that and she wrote thousands of books. And as I've said to you already, Vanessa, you've done such a great job on this and you genuinely have. This isn't down to anyone else's work, but your hard work. Absolutely. That, um, you definitely should think about book number two. And Marshall, I hope you'll encourage Vanessa, you know, be a voice with me that, you know, your father would like to think this is great. You can do this. How about another book? And I can think of a few subjects which you'd be superbly good at. Um, there's a book on Ray Bradbury inside you as well that you know that you, you could be involved with that we talked about this before your letters uh, Ray's letters to Ray you know we we talked about putting that together you should definitely be the editor on that book um, there are many books that that should have your name on it next Vanessa and definitely and I'd read a book about you going to Disneyland with Forrest Ackerman there you go <laughs> I, mean, I think you've definitely got more books than you it was so much fun, you know, and we used to watch the parade in the evenings and, and then, you know, Ray, it was just, it was just wonderful, exceptional times. It was lovely. It really was. I feel so blessed. Um, what was your and, dad's favourite uh, ride? What was your dad's favourite ride at Disneyland? Was it Pirates of the Caribbean? Yes, but he also, also, he liked it. It was a small world. <laughs> really? Yeah, he liked that. Um, he liked all the little scenes and everything. But yeah, Pirates was our, our best one. Um, what was the other one? Oh, there was quite a few that we liked. Probably we went on everything. Mansion. Yes, sure that was great. Yeah. Because yeah. you've been there, Marshall, haven't you? You, you? you revealed recent cine footage, was this, of yourself at Disneyland? We did found footage from, you know, years and years ago, back from the 70s, the same sort of era as your pictures are from, um, Vanessa. And so um, I think it's probably the same actors, boiling hot actors walking around in the Tigger and, uh, and Peter Pans and, you know, all those other um, kind of uh, stuffed, overworked actors. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so oh, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's, I mean, I just got to go with normal members of my family, not these, you know, iconics, iconic characters. I mean, as a journalist uh, and as a, uh, as a film nerd, uh, Forrest Ackerman uh, with Famous Monsters and stuff is a tremendously significant um, figure um, to me, as is uh, Ray Bradbury. I mean, it's just amazing that the people who I sort of admire most in, 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 in pop culture and just general culture uh, were all your uncles and your dad basically i know it's, it's really weird but the, you know again i know it sounds bizarre but it was just like talking to you you know it's just they were just normal people you know they they had their little likes and dislikes and and things we did and um Forry, i think i said in the in the book there that uh, Forry had a whole load of these heads of Frankenstein and Dracula and the Bride mm. of Frankenstein in bed upstairs and he used to take me and says look come and have a look at all these people and all these heads would be in the bed it was like amazing but, he had the most amazing uh, collection I mean he thinks he must have had some things from your dad as well in his collection yes he did were you able to get those back we did get them back um didn't we John um 
some of them came back to us, but the bulk of them were sold, unfortunately, as part of uh, Forry Ackerman's estate. So they're with other serious collectors. So uh, we, we, we know who they are and we know where they live. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, not menacing at all. That's... Not at all. But look, it just leaves me to say thank you very much, Marshall Julius. And thank you, in, you know, enormously, uh, Vanessa Harryhausen, for coming on our inaugural vodcast. I don't like the word vodcast, but I'm told that's what it's called, a vodcast for a video podcast. And uh, as I say, if you want to see this again, you'll be able to see it on YouTube and Vimeo, and you can listen on our normal links on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. So look, I'll leave the last words to you guys if you'd like to do a sign off. Well, thank you very much for having me on this inaugural uh, uh, vlog, vlogcast, vodcast, vodcast, and it was really and it was such a pleasure to meet you Vanessa and to talk about your dad it was a real treat for me and, and a kind of real honor and thank you for letting me see your book ahead of everyone else so it was just I loved it I loved it very much good well thank you and it's been such a pleasure to talk to you because um having looked at your wonderful um book yourself um it's very inspiring and you say lovely things about dad and I love the quiz thing so it's been great fun and keep safe and thank you very much. Copyright in the Ray Harryhausen podcast is owned by the Ray and Diana Harryhausen Foundation, a registered Scottish charity, number SC001419, 2020. This recording may not be reproduced in whole or in part without written permission from the Foundation. The views expressed within these podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of the Foundation, its trustee or employees. For further terms and conditions, please contact us at rayharryhausen.com where you can find our Facebook and Twitter links.